Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Paddock Chat, a West Midlands Group original podcast created to keep local growers in the loop without having to leave the paddock. I'm your host, Kira Holly, and I work at the West Midlands Group. In this episode, I caught up with Nutrition and Production Specialist Bronwyn Fowler from Nutrient Ag Solutions to talk about mastitis in use. Following the dry summer, this is something producers should keep an eye out for. Bron shares her advice on what to look for, how to manage it, the prevention and treatment of mastitis. Before we get into it, here's a little bit about our guests. Growing up on a mixed farming enterprise in Arthur River, Bronwyn knew from an early age that she wanted to be involved in the ag industry. And while she loves all facets of said industry, Bronwyn has a strong passion for wool and meat production in particular. Bron has boatloads of experience, from casual contract employment at CBH, mulesing, crutching, rousing, seeding, milking and harvesting, to leasing her parents' farm and running a sheep and cropping operation for several years. More recently, Bronwyn worked as an ag educator in a range of roles, which allowed her to foster that passion for ag in other young people. Bronwyn studied at Narragin Ag, Muresk, has a Master's in Agribusiness and is currently undertaking further studies in a Master's in Animal Science. Now, before we hear from today's guest, I'd just like to say the information provided in this podcast is general in nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast. Right, now that that boring part is over, let's get into the fun part. Welcome to the show, Bron. Thanks for having me. So what is keeping you busy at the moment? Okay, so a range of things. But mostly I've been focusing on ration formulation and redoing people's rations because it's been such a tough season. So they have had to feed for longer than what they were expecting. Um, And then looking at what food they've got on offer and what feed they've got left in the silos and trying to redo their rations for them. We've been also noticing a lot of preg talks uh, around at the moment for that same reason, just not enough energy for those use. And a little bit of disease investigation. So we always try and include the local vet or the deeper vet if there's anything that's a little bit amiss. If if there's a death or two, we'll definitely get them to go in and make sure they've given analysis so that we can then put some preventative plans in place for moving forward. The other things that we have seen is that there has been a lot of vitamin E deficiency around the place. That's from green feed. So as soon as six weeks after the green feed dries off, people should be starting to supplement with vitamin E and then they should continue that over the dry season every six weeks. And even though we had a little break in February, it wasn't enough to build those vitamin E stores back up. And they have, I know Murdoch have been doing some studies on vitamin E and and how that affects uh, you and lamb survival. And um, basically, I think if you can provide it, you should be providing it. And it'll be interesting to see what the results get back from those studies. Hypocalcemia hasn't really been much of a problem this year, has it? has been in the past because people have been supplementing calcium for such a long period of time. Uh, We normally recommend about three months before lambing that they start giving them calcium so they've got time to build those stores up. Mm -hmm. And I think people have been pretty good at that. So there hasn't been such of an issue that we've seen around the place. Like moving forward, I can't stress enough how important it is for people to test their fodder. So get the test done as soon as they get it in the silo so they know what their energy levels are going to be and Um, protein and decide whether they should sell that fodder and buy something else Mm. or keep it and then work out then how much they're going to have to hold over for that following season and base it on a worst case scenario because we're finding a lot of people don't have the feed now and it's really expensive and um, don't know what the barley price is going to be doing so it might be that barley might be a really good option for next year's feed but just making sure that they've held enough feed over and 
making sure they've aligned it to the production status. So barley's great for your pregnant, late pregnant use and for their lactation period. And lupins is great for your young growing sheep and that early pregnancy. So having a mixture is quite a good option. Because there hasn't been a lot of grain feed, a lot of people have been putting their sheep in drought lots of confinement, which has been good because it's mean that they've been able to give them less energy. But there is a lot of animal health issues that come with that. So they'll have issues with acidosis and um, bacterial proliferation. So things like salmonella has been a big thing. And um, mastitis is another one that we've seen. Okay, so mastitis, is that more commonly found than when you are confinement feeding? Well, it can happen um, at any time, but when animals are held in a confined space, they're more likely to pick up the bacteria. But the way they actually pick it up is through um, an open end in the teat canal. So if that, uh, when a lamb suckles, they'll, once they've suckled, it, that teat will remain open for two hours. So that gives enough time if they're lying down in a bacteria environment for their bacteria to enter the canal. It's not very comfortable for some of them. No. Not very comfortable at all. So what is mastitis? It's basically an inflammation of the udder. Yep. And it is commonly caused by bacterial infections. Sometimes a viral infection can cause it. Or if sheep have got scabby mouth and they've got the lesions and then that transfers to the teats. So then that causes a teat opening or a lesion which can then allow bacteria to enter. So normally bacteria can enter but the immune cells will usually pick it up and get it under control. But sometimes those cells can damage the immune cells and then they'll, the mammary gland gets damaged as well. So that yeah. result in mastitis. Um, there's two forms. There's subclinical and clinical. What is the subclinical? So subclinical. So subclinical mastitis may be difficult to identify. So that's just the udder will be firm and hot and a little bit red. And then you won't notice too much difference within the sheep. They might be a little bit lame. The lambs will be lower in growth weights and they just won't get those finishing weights that they'd expect. Okay, so what is clinical mastitis then? So in clinical mastitis, the infection um, will rapidly progress and what it can turn into what they call a blackening of the udder or black mastitis. So use with that can become really unwell and will need treatment with antibiotics straight away. Lambs will often die because they won't be able to get any milk or suck from them so it, it's called black mastitis because they look black yeah because it'll become very infected and look sort of so it's obvious yeah okay. yeah and that one is quite obvious and lambs can also not just die from lack of milk but can also die from the bacterial infection from consuming the infected milk as well so that's another concern poor weather or inadequate nutrition may trigger the progression from subclinical to clinical mastitis so that's when you can have an issue and then people are out doing a drive around the paddock should they be looking really closely this year in particular for that redness or lameness? So they should be um, monitoring their mobs and they should actually be looking for anything that looks a little bit lame. And sometimes with the subclinical too, the twin lambs, that one of the twin lambs might die because obviously not getting access to enough milk. That can be a concern as well, but normally it's just lower growth rate. So if you notice any deaths in your twin mobs or if you notice a ewe looks a little bit lame or a little bit red inflamed that's when you'd probably get them and have a closer look so those are the main symptoms there isn't any other symptoms that you can check for you can actually if you're wanting to strip the udder you can strip the udder and you can look for clots within the udder when you say strip the udder so what do you mean like milk and then if you put it on the thing you'll see white clotty you know like clumpy like you know how yeah Yeah. or you can see serum like the red so that will be a sign that there's something going amiss what's the next step then for someone that has identified these issues in their flock okay so the next step would be to first of all get your ones that are 
affected away from the mob because it's very contagious because that bacteria will be put out there and if other use lie in the mud or in that confined space they can pick up that bacteria more easily and if cross-suckling so one lamb sucking on one ewe and then tries to go and suckle on another ewe then that might pass that infection across so making sure they get the lamb the ewe that's possibly got mastitis remove her and her lamb from the mob and keep them separate and then get antibiotic treatment and anti-inflammatory treatment from the vet so that will be pretty crucial you can leave the rest of the mob there if it hasn't spread too far because the other theory is their immune system gets used to a range of bacteria, and if you take them out of that paddock and then put them into a fresh paddock, you're opening them up and exposing them to new bacteria. Mm-hmm. So trying to keep the main mob where they are but moving the infected ones away is a fairly good strategy, I guess. When are ewes most susceptible to mastitis? Ewes in confinement or in a high stocking rate, they're going to be susceptible because there's going to be more bacteria that mm-hmm. they're going to be exposed to and yeah higher mob size there's going to be more access to cross suckling which will then probably spread it further uh use with damaged udders so that's like so there's any damage to the keratin secreting cells in the canal then they're more susceptible um and then use who have teeth damage from scabby mouth so they get lesions on the teats that will cause an issue and that's where the bacteria can enter and teeth lesions from shearing or any other concerns can allow for the well, that doesn't allow the teat canal to close properly, that's where the bacteria can enter through the end of the teat canal. Use and poor body condition score and or on low energy, low protein diet, they just don't have the energy to fight the, the for the immune system to fight the disease. And twin bearing use, they're susceptible because of the cross suckling. And so lambs can carry the bacteria, it, they carry it in their mouth and in their, in their tonsils and that can be transferred to the teat. And so when they're suckling, it can interrupt the teat canal. And if there's lots of suckling happening lots of times, then the, the teat canal's being exposed to more bacteria. And also staph, it occurs naturally, but then when they're exposed to it, and that's um, normally within the birthing fluids and things like that. So once they're exposed to that, then if it goes up into the teat canal mm. and that immune system hasn't been able to kick in and get it under control, that's when they'll have issues. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity for this to happen. Yeah, well, actually, there is over 30 different bacteria species that can be linked to mastitis in sheep, but there's only two main ones that are causing it. Yeah. That's a lot of possibility. Yeah, and so older ewes are more at risk just because of they might be in lower body condition score or they might have poor teat confirmation or damaged teats from previous what years. What is teat of... confirmation? Yeah, that's a good question. So teat confirmation is um, looking at the placement on the udder. It also looks at... The udder confirmation as well. So how far the udder, udder, how far the <laughs> udder has dropped, um, and the attachment of the udder, um, where the teat position is on the udder, teat angle, and degree of separation of the two halves of the udder. So how how far they sit apart. So yeah. how they are made up essentially yeah. could impact their likelihood of yeah. Copying yes. mastitis. Definitely, definitely. So and there's also, they have done some study and they do believe that there is a link for ewes who are deficient in selenium and vitamin A as well. Okay. And I guess if you think of that from a immune support thing, selenium is very important for that immune function. So that does so make sense. they can supplement that? Yes, definitely. So there's a range of supplements out there that they can be giving their sheep pre-lambing. So um, 
yeah, ones that have, like, you can give an injection that's got the selenium in it, um, and vitamin A is an injection as well. And so. is there any way that you can check which ones are deficient, or is it just better to get the whole mob done? Better to get the whole mob, yeah. so then you, you might, um, you would normally say if they've all been grazing a similar scenario, they might be at similar levels anyway, but we have in the past done, um, we try and do a flock status, so we'll go and take some bloods and we'll do a flock status and see where things are at, and that sort of gives you a general idea of, we what's what's lacking and what they need to be supplemented with um animals in wet muddy conditions or extreme weather they're the ones that are going to be most at risk and Look, we're not in trouble is that right now? <laughs> no and animals under stress and that's probably what we're sitting at now where yeah. there's um no feed and they are getting fed which is good but it's still you know they're probably lower in condition what they normally would be mastitis right now following the dry summer that we've just had mm-hmm is probably pretty likely in our flocks where we are. Yeah, yeah, particularly if they've held them in confinement. So, or not confinement, but in higher mob size mm-hmm. or um, in smaller areas, mm-hmm. and they've had allowed for that bacteria proliferation to occur. Yeah. yeah, it can be a big thing. Yeah, confinement is really good. It's a really good practice, but there is a lot of risk because of the intense environment that you put them in. What can producers do to prevent or treat mastitis? It's about managing the risk, really. So you have to maintain your ewes in body condition score three and make sure that the the ration that they're feeding is meeting their nutritional requirements of where they are in their production status. So it's really important. The protein levels need to increase significantly after lambing. So that day 10 to day 30 of lactation, their energy levels are going to be extremely high as well. I think for a twin ewe at day 30, she needs 29 megajoules of energy uh, if she's condition score three. So if the food on offer is not giving them those, those 29 megs, then they're going to have to make sure that the ration that they're providing is going to meet that. So that's pretty important. So know where, know where you use are. Obviously, always look at your food on offer, work out what, what they're getting on the ground, and then make sure that your ration, the rest of the, what you're supplementing is fixing their deficit and the yeah. energy gap. And by that stage, a 14% protein diet's probably sort of, in the middle there, you can go 14 to 18% is probably what you're looking at. When they're at that lactation period, a diet that's around 14 to 18% crude protein is probably what you're sort of wanting to aim your ration to sit at. Making sure that you supplement your ewes, so your thin ewes or your older ewes, give them a bit more because they're going to be the ones that are going to put them be under a lot of nutritional stress. Consider culling your ewes, they're the poor rut of confirmation. So pre-joining, go through all your ewes, work out, did something have mastitis last year? Look at your look at your um, udders and your teats. Anything that's got an injured udder or teat, consider culling. When you it. say injured, like what are you looking for there? Is I, it left up? Like is it still black from the year before, or are there? No, no. So I'm sort of meaning like so. Look at feel for lumps. Oh, um, okay. Look for like on the teats. Look for obvious injuries like shearing cuts or malformations that make it that it's likely to cause yeah. an issue for the following. Yeah. So, so get yeah. rid of the ones that are susceptible to that bacteria yeah. and spread it to everyone yeah, else. Yeah, that, that's not. Yeah, definitely. Get rid of the, the carriers. Keep the mob in the same paddock so that during and after lambing, so they've been access to the same bacteria, mm-hmm. don't introduce them to new ones. Um, ensure that there's adequate shelter. It's really important to scan and separate your singles and your twins. And so then you can also set your mob size appropriately so you're having less cross-suckling, but also you can then make sure their diet's going to be meeting their nutritional requirements. That's a pretty big one. Manage your mob size as well. So making sure that for your twins, make sure that they're around that 150 
for your singles, you don't really want to put them much over 400. So try and keep those. If you can do it lower, the better. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's a bit hard to manage. So just making sure you manage that mob size. Adopt good hygiene practices to prevent the bacteria spreading from you to you. So if you're going to be lambing in housing environments, making sure you have clean bedding and that sort of stuff. So remember to put your freshly weaned ewes. Keep them on a lower plane of nutrition after weaning just to help them dry off and do that for about two weeks. That will reduce the risk of mastitis post-weaning. And vaccinate against scabby mouth on your property. So if you've um, been vaccinating against scabby mouth, keep vaccinating. Well, that's something that you can control so you're not having those lesions on the teats. Reduce as much risk as you can. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. So treatment-wise, if you've noticed that you do have, you've driven around the mob and you see that some are a bit lame and a bit hot, you've had a few lamb deaths or so forth, Pull those ones out from the mob. A bit tricky because I know you're lambing down, but try and get rid of get those ones out of the mob and their lamb out of the mob and treat them separately. Manage them as a completely separate mob and they'll also need, you probably need to put them in the hospital paddock because they're going to need antibiotics and anti-inflammatory, which you can only get from your vet. So make sure you talk to your vet about the best management program for your mob, but definitely remove those other ones so they're not spreading it. So go to your vet. Go to your vet. You absolutely yeah. have it trade it yeah and because they'll have to they'll have to have antibiotics and anti-inflammatory yeah okay mm-hmm. what advice do you have for producers now or later in the season i guess now we're going to be looking at we're getting through our lambing look at our marking percentages marry those up against your scanning results look at the data and see where you, if you've had any issues pat yourself on the back if you haven't but then maybe you can go back and try and assess what actually went wrong um or where you can make some changes moving for next season. But I think the next thing we're going to be coming up with is we're going to have a lot of short grain feed and that's going to possibly cause an issue in regards to that that short grain feed is high in potassium and high in non-protein nitrogen and will create an imbalance in magnesium and possibly poses risk with nitrate poisoning Mm. if, you know, they're grazing stuff that's under stress and it's short because it will be high in nitrate. So... Okay, so transition into green feed is crucial. So we've had no green feed and then all of a sudden there's green feed. Um, it's highly digestible and it's going to go straight through them, which can cause issues. Allow a 14 to 21-day period for them to fully be transitioned to that new feed and let those microbes adapt to the new feed. So when they're starting to put them out into that green feed, providing access to hay is going to be crucial and making sure that their stomach or their rumen's full with hay when they go out. Giving them access to calcium, magnesium and sodium is really crucial too when they're grazing any green feed. And if you're, like, if you're wanting to get that growth in your pastures and you are putting urea out, just make sure that you wait 21 days after applying urea so that you don't have any risk of nitrate poisoning in your stock. Better yet, you can just put the urea out after you've grazed mm. so that you don't, you know, you're not going to have that. an issue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then as we kick on a bit further, there's going to be issues with um, lush green feed. So I guess the key thing to do is to make sure that all your stock have been vaccinated for pulpy kidney. Watch for things like bloat and red gut, which in that really rich feed can be an issue. But if that doesn't happen, if we don't get that lush green feed, early weaning might be something they could think about doing to give a chance for those used to pick up and get back ready for their next mating. It would be important to make sure, though, that the lambs have been grain imprinted so that they've helped develop their room and so when they are weaned, they keep going so they don't go backwards. Yeah. So what would you classify as early weaning? Normally a, a, a weight and that room and development, but you, you can bring it down to 10 weeks, 8 weeks, but it really the lower the weights are at weaning time, the more mortality rates you have, so... If you can do it around the 12 weeks of age, 
that's a pretty good time to think about weaning. It's going to be safe for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, because the heavier they are, the higher the survival rate. So around the 20 to 22 kilos, if you can wean them at that weight, then you've got higher survival rate. Estrogenic clover can cause issues with fertility in ewes as well, so sometimes can cause late abortion in ewes. The pasture has a compound, which is basically a phytoestrogen, so it increases estrogen levels. So it makes them ovulate earlier too. Also with short grain feed, another concern that we'll have to look for is um, high worm burden. So making sure that people are doing the worm accounts and monitoring every four to six weeks to just make sure that they're not having subclinical losses through worms. Good to know. Mm. What keeps you interested in farming? I love what I do and I get really excited that I can um, help support others and I really think that um, I admire farmers and their resilience and I guess their work ethic and if I can be of assistance in any way I'm happy to be there. Farming's not a job it's a way of life and I think that once you've been able to live it you can't it doesn't go out of your blood like you want to be involved in it. I I think what it is too I think it's the mateship I think I really like that. I've got to say I do love talking to the growers and you know hearing their stories and hearing what their challenges are and then you know hopefully being able to value add some way or but just getting their experience from the things that they've seen over the years too well thanks for coming on today everyone thanks for having me it was really good to have a chat with you i hope you enjoyed listening to our chat with bronwyn today as much as i enjoyed having it so some key messages there Ewes that are older, in poor condition, twin bearing, under stress or at high stocking rates are more susceptible to mastitis. Keep an eye out for symptoms including lameness, inflamed udder and poor growth rates in lambs. If untreated or under stress, mastitis can progress from subclinical to clinical, which due to the death of udder tissue will cause the udder to blacken and be cold to touch. If you identify mastitis in your flock, get in touch with your local vet for treatment. Check out the show notes for more useful resources on preventing and managing mastitis in your stock. And thank you as always for tuning in. We want to know what you want to hear about. In the show notes, you'll be able to find a link titled Podcast Feedback where you can let us know who you want to hear from, what you want to hear about, and it would just give us a better idea of what you guys are interested in. You can stay in the loop by subscribing so that you know when the next episode drops. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review. I'd like to thank our sponsors and members without whom this would not be possible. See you next time for some more paddock chat. Local knowledge from a paddock near you.